Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of The Comic Source. I'm your host, Jace, joined by my compatriot from Comic Boom, Rocky. Rocky, thanks for joining me. Absolutely, man. Good to be here. Good to be here. Yeah, so doing things a little different. Rocky and I normally are, are here for the, the DC spotlights, running down all the DC books, and it comes out on his Comic Boom YouTube channel. This one we're going to drop on the Comic Source YouTube channel. I'll also release the audio only on the podcast feed in case anybody wants to, to listen along, although we are going to be showing panels and uh, parts of the story from We Have Demons. So this is Scott Snyder's first release through Comixology. For those not familiar with the deal, Scott Snyder's Best Jacket Press, which he started last year for uh, kind of an umbrella imprint for all his creator-owned stuff. He signed a deal with Comixology to release, I think I think it's six, um, I think it's six titles through Comixology that he's going to, uh, going to release. Four of them are coming out in October in what they're calling Scott-tober. So every Tuesday <laughs> in October, there's going to be a different uh, – comicsology scott snyder written story coming out with various artists so the first one came out this last tuesday october 5th we have demons it's called art is by and, and co-created by greg capullo next week clear number one co-created by francis manipole who also does the art that's coming out on the 12th and then the following uh, a long rumored story that Scott's been talking about working on for a long time with French, uh, Francesco Francavia called Night of the Ghoul. So that one comes out on uh, on the 19th. And then I think there's one more coming out, uh, but I'm not, not – actually, there's only three. So three of, of the first six. And then there's, there's other ones that are coming out uh, later on, and uh, I'll look for those and, and find them for you in a, in a few minutes here. But this is a really interesting way – for Scott Snyder to to kind of reach a new audience. And for those not familiar, Comixology is a digital platform. So they do have a, a deal to release their comics as print comics. That happens through Dark Horse. So these comics will eventually see the light of day, but for now, they're just digital. And what's really great about it, I read it for free. It didn't cost me anything because I have Amazon Prime. So if you have Amazon Prime, you can go read these Comixology comics for free there's a couple of other ways you can get it you can go sign up for comiXology unlimited it's very similar to marvel unlimited or the dc universe app where mm. you pay a monthly subscription fee and you have access to all the comics that are yeah. on comiXology unlimited if oh, you don't want to pay you can them, simply buy it I, I just bought it <laughs> yeah exactly or you can just go to amazon or go to comiXology and just you know pay for pay for the comic so uh and i there's no page number so i'm not exactly sure uh, sure how long it is, but it felt like a good chunk of story. So Rocky and I, were going to talk about our initial impressions, and then we'll probably get into some some nuts and bolts of the actual story, some things that we really, really liked. But th this was my book of the week, and I do find it interesting. It's coming out on Tuesday, which is the same day that the DC books drop, as opposed to Wednesday, which is normally when new comics drop. I'm not familiar enough with Comixology uh, original releases that I like I don't know do they release them all through the week do they always release them on Tuesdays like I don't know I've read stuff on Comixology before and I know they've done some original stuff and there's things that have interested me that I've wanted to read and I've just never taken the plunge like uh, Afterlife from, yeah. or what's is that what it's called from Chip Zdarsky uh, After Lift After Lift where it's basically cab driver for the, like ferrying people to the afterlife I think 
Yeah, I think um, so. Yeah, after lift, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there's been other other things, but this is like this is Scott Snyder, and yeah. I, I've never really considered myself the biggest Scott Snyder fan in terms of his work. I love the guy personally, and, and he's just, he loves comics, and he's a super nice guy, and he's very humble yeah. and very talented. But the things he's written just they haven't always spoken to me. I'm not the biggest Batman guy, you know, and that's kind of where he, he cut his teeth and, and whatnot. Um, but I'll tell you what, like over the last year reading his Noctera, I've been blown away and it just seems so clear to me that this is where his passion lies. Like with the creator owned stuff where he has more, more freedom, not to say he can't write good stories in the, under the umbrella of DC comics or, or whatever continuity he can, because he's skilled and he's talented. Um, but it just seems like when I read Noctera or when I read this, we have demons, the over writing thing that I was filled with was a sense of joy that both he and Greg Capullo are investing in this work that comes across through the page. At least I felt it like, man, these guys are having a blast creating this comic and telling the story. There's joy in the creation of it yeah. and, and there's passion and they have complete creative freedom to do anything they want. And it's making for a really, really great comic. So that, that was my first impression was man, these guys are having a lot of fun. This is a fantastic comic, big chunk of story. Um, like I said, it was it was free for me. But did you find the the value? How much was it to to purchase the single issue, Rocky? Uh, it was actually four ninety nine, four ninety nine, four ninety nine. So it was. Uh, I thought it was. It, it's expensive, but I mean, it's 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 not bad. I don't think it's cheap. I mean, four ninety nine American for me. But I was willing to give it a shot. It, it got you highly recommended it, and I trust your. I, we generally, I trust your judgment enough, and I'm glad I did. Uh, this is Snyder's element. Horror stories are his element. I know going in, it's horror, so that's fine. I, I've when I've criticized Snyder in the past, I've often made criticism that his stories are often dark and a little bit too dark and depressing. But having said that, when I know it's horror going in, that's my expectation. And frankly, when that when I want a good horror, I got no problem reading Scott Snyder because he's very good at that. This is he's right in his element here. And like you said, it does show it, it is a good story and we'll get into the weeds and we'll obviously talk about it. And I'll certainly elaborate as to why I really enjoy this. Uh, I, my favorite of his is uh, on the horror side is American Vampire. I'm, I'm less a fan of his, of his darkness in the DC universe, but I got to say American Vampire enjoyed. And this, this opening issue has really wet my appetite. So I'm quite happy with that. I also want to give a shout out to Comicsology Originals. They're really advertising this. This is right on the front page of Comicsology, you know, with the Substack controversy and everything else. This is, this is definitely the way to go for Scott Snyder because he's getting a lot of free press with Comicsology marketing this right on the front page. When I went there, boom, it's right up there in lights. We have demons. I think there's going to be, I have a sneaking suspicion this is going to get a lot of good press because this is a good story and there's going to be a lot of, uh, I think there's going to be a lot of creators following suit because I think this is a better platform than Substack, but that's maybe a topic for another day. No, let's talk, let's talk a little bit about that because I talked <laughs> to Scott about that that very thing yeah. um, way back in August, you know, about, yeah. uh, and and we, we talked about that and, and how you reach new people and how digital we both feel like is is the the new the new spinner rack the modern version of the spinner rack because when you think about it when you and I were collecting you walked into the convenience store or the Seven Eleven or the liquor store or grocery store or whatever and the books were just right there yeah. sometimes it could be an impulse buy you're you're waiting in line for your you know mom's gonna pay for your cereal and 
and hot dogs and, you know, coffee and whatever. And you're like, Hey mom, mom, look at this awesome cover. Please buy me this comic or whatever. You don't have that exposure these days. There's no kind of impulse buy. So I, I think everybody's got a cell phone in their pocket or a smart device. Kids are very tech savvy these days. They're, they're constantly, uh, you know, on their phones with their face down in a screen, you know, good or bad that can be debated, but yeah. this is the way, to, this is the way to capture those impulse buys. You know, I, I don't know if it can happen at, at five ninety nine. Um, but certainly Comixology and Marvel Unlimited, whatever the, yeah, the sales things for 99 cents, you know, it's a buck. Uh, yeah. I, I think it can, can reach people. Um, so you're right. Uh, I mean, Scott is getting a lot of exposure. It's not surprising to me that, that, uh, Comixology is, exp- is doing this, is using his name because they know he brings in a different audience, right? Like Scott's got his own following. He certainly can bring in people who aren't usual readers of digital, who say, yeah, this is going to come out from Dark Horse and print eventually, but I don't want to wait. I want to read this now. Let me go ahead and stick my toe into digital stuff. And it's a it's a revenue stream because I, I think what Comixology, and, and obviously they're going to promote it because they've paid Scott a, you know, a, an amount of money, an amount of money that allowed him to pay the creators. They've been working on these books for a long time. Mm-hmm. And you know, especially during COVID when everything was up in the air with print comics, and, and Scott has talked about this, where he wanted to make sure that his co-creators, as they were working on these books, were getting their, were getting an income, right? Like if, if they've been working on this for six months, Scott's been paying the artists and co-creators for six months already. Hey, let me get you your page rate to make sure you can keep paying your bills and you know things are good and and you know it helps foster the creative environment if everybody's happy. So obviously, Comicsology has given him a, a big chunk of money to do this. So they Comicsology wants to recoup their investment and and rightly so, you know, that's that's just business. Um so how can you do that? Well, you can get people to subscribe. Um they probably I would imagine Comicsology probably makes more per unit when somebody just buys a single. I mean they have to if it's 4.99 yeah. as opposed to if you're subscribing to Comicsology Unlimited, I think it's 8.99 and then, you know, obviously they're subsidized by by Amazon because Amazon bought Comixology a few years I'm ago. I'm just so. thinking about convenience, uh, Jace. For for me, Comixology, the one advantage they have, they're an online comic book shop. I can't if I'm not going to walk into a comic shop, at least I can give the get the illusion of doing so online. And Substack, I, I I'm already a little annoyed with Substack, and and maybe I'm going to sound like a like a like a negative Nelly here, but getting four or five. I mean, this week alone, I got four emails from different creators from Substack and they're telling me about what they ate for breakfast and, uh, you know, their, their lives. And I just, I just want to read comics and you know what I mean? And, and the thing is, it's really nice to just go to Comicsology and, you know, Scott Snyder, oh, it's new. I just don't, I pay for the comic. It's four ninety nine. Sure. Maybe Substack, I pay seven bucks a month and I get all this stuff, but I get, I don't know if I really want that. I'll just, like I said, the impulse buy, I'm an impulse guy, guy. I love comics. I'm going to, I'm going to buy this. Comicsology will send me notice every month when we have demons comes out. Number two, I'm going to get an automatic email reminder from Comicsology anyway, but I don't need to know every nuance of a writer's life and what they're working on. And and a lot of times they even spoil the stories when they send an email out. And I don't like that. You know what I mean? So I kind of, yeah, no. maybe I'm old school, but I, I kind of like just being, you know, reading it for the first time coming out like this and i don't know i it'll be interesting to see how these things work out in terms of substack versus comicsology but i personally like this I, so i get what you're saying with substack I, i'm getting like 15 emails like I get, I get so many emails i was so far behind and last weekend yeah. i spent like catching <laughs> up and the thing is like the thing about substack is it offers uh a look into the process which some people like 
if it's not your thing, then that's fine. But the other thing that it, it offers inter more interaction than this would necessarily. Mm -hmm. But here's the thing. In order to have that interaction with Substack, you got to respond to the, the Substack post pretty much the first day they're posted, oh. you know, maybe within a day or two. If you fall behind like me, I I'm responding to threads that they've already moved on, you know. So with Substack, if it sort of feels like an obligation, like am I am I getting the value for what I spent on these Substack subscriptions? Because the part of the reason and the attraction is that interaction, uh, and I'm not getting the interaction, and it's on me because I'm falling behind because I signed up for too many and I got all these emails and and whatever. So so you're right. But let let me ask you this, Rocky. So we know that Scott's got you know two more uh, series coming out and then three more coming later. Uh, and then a what's called a prose illustrated novel. So I think it's a total of eight titles that are coming from Comixology. So if you're paying five ninety nine or four ninety nine for for this one, um, wouldn't you be better off getting the Comixology Unlimited for eight ninety nine a month once there's more than one title out? Uh, you, you're probably right. Obviously, there's if it reaches that point that that if it reaches that point where because I I actually don't I actually buy most most of my comics physically you know, physical copies anyway. It's rare that I use Comixology. If it reaches that point, well, absolutely, I would agree with you. It would make more sense for me to go to Comixology Unlimited. Yeah, certainly I would. Yeah. I would consider that if it comes to the point. But I also like owning, you know, actually owning. Yeah. The, I, the, I, I'm big yeah. on owning because I have a big, large database. I have a Dropbox account. I actually like owning the comic books. And maybe that's maybe that's silly of me when if I can just, but I kind of like that myself. But. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. The biggest thing for me these days is space when it comes to physical comics. I'm, I'm quickly running out of space, so I, I try not to get something unless I really, really like it or I would really want to support the creator. But the other thing is if, if you are subscribing to, to Comixology Unlimited, not only are you getting all the Snyder books, like I said, there's there's hundreds of books on there, thousands of books. In fact, there's thousands of books, all this other stuff that, you, like you said, and like I intimated being the, the kind of the modern day spinner rack, you can go on Comixology Unlimited if you can't get to your comic shop or you're on a trip or a train ride or a plane or whatever, and you can browse through. And uh, even if you don't have Comixology Unlimited and you just go to Comixology.com or go, go to them through Amazon, a lot of times the books will have a couple of the first couple of pages are available free as a, as a preview. So I think it's a great value and a way to, uh, again, I think Comixology is promoting this. They brought in Scott Snyder, who, you know, previously hadn't done a lot of digital only stuff to try to boost that that subscriber base. Cause you know, like I said, they're owned by, they're owned by Amazon at the end of the day, subscriptions are the way a lot of these big companies are, are that's the way they show that they have value. Um, and again, for me, it's great because I already pay for Amazon prime. And even if I, even if Comixology wasn't there, I order so much stuff through Amazon and use other Amazon prime features that it's a no brainer for me to have Amazon prime. So this is just bonus uh, oh, for me. So, uh, anyway, uh, enough about the business side of things. Let's sort of dive into the the story itself. So I'll just give a real quick and dirty sort of recap of, of what this is about. Like, you know, we have demons. Well, I guess actually Rocky turned to the creator page and it's reminded me, I should give the credits first. So Scott Snyder is the writer, as we mentioned. Uh, Greg Capullo does the pencils. Jonathan Glapion, uh, Capullo's longtime collaborator on, on line work, does the inks. Dave McKaig on colors and Tom Napolitano on letters. And there's... Um, a little bit of a, a, a maybe a disclaimer here <laughs> talking about because again this is this is creator own this is mature this isn't the stuff that you see in here wouldn't be approved over at dc 
So Scott's basically like, look, you're going to see deep demons reaching up through people's buttholes, pulling out their guts. And, you know, there's going to be language and there's going to be like, this is, he's like, this is your trigger warning because this is going to be brutal, you know? Um, And when I think about something from Snyder and Capullo with, without restriction, right. And we talked, we've talked about that creative freedom. These guys are both into some pretty hardcore type, you know, stuff like, you know, the whole death metal thing with DC death metal and, and, uh, you know, they, they like that. I'm not a like metal guy. I would not consider myself a metal guy, you know, like Greg plays the guitar and he works out and he's, you know, if you've ever met him, he, if, yeah. if you if you don't know him, you could maybe see how he's in, sort of intimidating with the dark sunglasses on. And, you know, he's, he's, he's very fit. He's very ripped. Um, but he's, he's a great guy, but I could see how people would be intimidated. He's got that sort of intimidating air and it, that sort of permeates into what I was thinking about that we were going to have here. Okay. They're telling a story called we have demons. This is going to be metal. This is going to be brutal and it's going to be horrific and there's going to be a lot of blood and it, it may, might have too much of an edge for me. Not that I wouldn't read it. Not that I might not recognize that it might be a, a really great story, but I don't know. I'm to be honest, I'm a little more of a soft boy, you know, I'm a little more of a, a romantic at heart as you know, <laughs> terrible as that <laughs> makes me sound. Uh, but I don't know. That's just where my proclivities yeah. lie. And so I, I was, I was unsure, but it was Scott Snyder. And again, it didn't cost me anything because I had the Amazon prime. So I read this disclaimer and I had also seen artwork that Greg had been posting that looked fantastic. And so I, I dove in not really knowing uh, what to expect. And, and I'll say this um, while there are plenty of, of the brutal scenes with demons and blood and guts and some great action scenes and Capullo gets to really exercise those artistic muscles. This is a much more emotionally grounded story than I necessarily expected. And the other thing that I didn't expect was I didn't expect this perfect merger of the idea of faith or religion slash magic and science. So often, especially in um, connected superhero universes like Marvel or DC, you see that magic and or religion is antithetical to science, right? Like look at uh, Superman's a perfect example, right? Like he is sort of the epitome of, you know, the, the, the futuristic science fiction of, of a, of a character, right? Like the whole idea of him going from Krypton, red sun to earth, yellow sun, and how, you know, scientific explanation about his cells can store up the solar energy and blah, blah, blah. What's one of his biggest weaknesses? Magic, right? Because they're, they're just diametrically opposed. Um, and what we get in this story is a perfect melding of science and, and faith or, or religion. So that more, maybe more than anything, the mythology that was established early on, I really loved. Uh, and it, and it kind of stuck out to me as, as something that I really wanted to mention. So, uh, basically what the story is, is there's this idea that demons have, have always been here on earth. Um, and again, getting back into the science, we all go all the way back to the big bang and Scott was talking about during the big bang, the elements of matter that were created first were the lightest and the ones that were created last were the heaviest and the very first, uh, atomic element, which obviously these are fictional elements. It has an atomic 
weight of zero because it, it, it's so light it, and it's basically subatomic particles smaller than one proton a proton makes a part of a, an atomic particle well this this whole substance which is dubbed halo is smaller than one proton um and it was created first it was the first element and it's sort of the the symbol of of light and life and everything that's good and then the last uh, element which is super heavy and would be like atomic weight i think he said what was it 666 or 999 or, or something <laughs> like super yeah. i think he said 999 like super heavy uh and it's called horn and it's sort of the embodiment of of evil if you will and so very early on when the earth was still forming and and all the landmass was in one uh one giant clump called pangea uh this small amount of halo landed on earth uh kind of broke apart upon uh hitting the atmosphere and and rained down over pangea and it sort of permeated into the, into the soil and then much much later uh kind of a meteor shower of horn uh eventually came and also crashed into various places on earth and then as life started to evolve um the horn sort of waited the the evilness of the horn sort of waited around until there were beings of sufficient sophistication to sort of infect uh them and turn them into demons basically uh and so that actually would have would have wiped out humans would have wiped out what were our ancestors but as fate would have it some pre-humans found a pocket of halo and uh, they were able to fashion weapons out of this element they made a thousand swords which that's a super cool concept and uh, those those thou or a thousand blades I should say they're not all swords some are axes and various other uh, weapons so they, they crafted those and the, the people that wielded those over the history of humankind have known about the secret of horn and how it's corrupted uh what was this you know most sophisticated uh evolved life on on earth um and these thousand blades have protected us and now we're to the point in modern times there's only nine of them left and the main character of the story lamb her father was one of those nine that new demons actually existed and was out there hunting uh, and trying to keep mankind safe. And uh, again, that's all the scientific stuff. The faith part and the religion part comes in and the whole idea of the fight between light and dark or good and evil and Lamb's father. And, you know, there's always the, the thought when you talk about demons, they come from hell and Satan and, you know, it's all tied in with Catholicism and religion and whatnot. But Lamb's father was also a, a preacher. So that there comes in the idea of, of faith. So what I find interesting, Lamb is the one that's telling us the story, and she's calling it uh, an FOM story. And uh, Scott Snyder has called it that as well. And FOM stands for fall of man. So we're really talking about the end times here, where apparently this conflict that's been going on since the basically the beginning of time, it's ratcheting up. It's maybe reaching its end game. There's only nine of the thousand blades left. Uh, and the demons are becoming more and more bold and looking to kind of corrupt and take over and maybe finally have the end game where they do wipe out humans and, and what they call God folk, which is basically religious people, people that believe in, uh, you know, the good of, uh, of their fellow man. So 
great mythology. But again, what I go back to is is this idea of not only did they create a really interesting mythology and uh, an antagonist that's great and lets Greg stretch his artistic muscles, but again, they've melded that idea of, of science. Like, you know, he's going back and he's talking about the atomic weight of elements. He's talking about the Big Bang. He's talking about evolution on Earth. But yet so much of the story is grounded in in faith and religion and the idea of of demons, which you certainly think of as sort of magical or supernatural. And and more than anything, that's what I keep coming back to the story of why I enjoyed it so much. So I, I thought it was great. It was emotional. I, I thought some of Greg's best work, which I don't think he gets enough credit. And I've talked about this before. I think specifically mentioned it when uh, I was talking, uh, I named him as one of my favorite Batman artists. And it's, it's not just that I love him on Batman. I love him so much on Bruce Wayne because I think Greg Capullo draws some, draws some of the best face, facial expressions when it comes to emotion. Um, and as cool and visceral as it is to see him draw these demons and blood and scary creatures and whatnot, um, you can flip through the pages of this digital comic and, and look at Lamb's face on various pages um, and see the emotion and see the relationship with her father and uh, see love there at times and fear there at times. And uh, I, I just, he doesn't get enough credit for that. So um, that's sort of a, a recap of, of what the story's about. And, and what I love most about it, I think is just that idea of melding the, the science and the, and the religion or the magic. So uh, what were your thoughts, Rocky? What, what, what stood out to you when you read it? Oh, the symbolism was really good. I, I really like thematically the, the relationship, how all the characters have some sort of connection to some larger mythology. Even even the the main character, Lam, uh, is actually is it's shortened for Lam, Lamusu, or Lamasu, which means ancient angel. So Pastor Cash, his daughter, he names her Lamasu, uh, meaning ancient angel. Uh, obviously, there's, there's some connection uh, to some mythology there. Uh, Lam grows up. Lamb grows up. What I really love about this, Lamb grows up almost having some doubts of her father because she she knows something's different about her father, this pat who's also a pastor, and and her father ends up marrying this woman named June, and she and young Lamb always suspects that her father has some secrets because he disappears for long periods of a time and he's mysterious, and she does some investigating and she even confronts her dad at one point, and uh, and ultimately. <clears throat> She at one point she she says something very interesting. She she says to her dad, you know, Dad, you can tell me, tell me what it is that's bothering you. We all have our demons. It's it's okay to have demons. You know, we all have them. And and it, you know, her, his father pan her father panics and says, No, don't ever say that. <laughs> and and you know you know because it was just an expression when she said it, but it really becomes manifest as to what he, her father meant when after after her father passes and she speaks to her uh, stepmother and the stepmother reveals more of the mythology and the secrets to her. You can see why all this is so serious. But what's interesting is that Lamb goes through her life sort of not having the type of faith that her father does, not being that religious. And that connection between faith is what powers that the halo and the horn, the halo being the positive elements of humanity, I guess the, the positive reinforcement, sort of like the good and the horn being the evil. There's something about faith. Faith does something to the blood that creates pockets of vitality, and and it it you know the faith couple cup the halo is powered by faith, and when you couple the faith and the halo, 
you can make weapons and that's how they made the swords and and the and these and all these weapons of which they're now there's only nine blades left and it's just fascinating and so i love how this story progresses with with young lamb ultimately it's when when she confronts demons for the first time at the end of the first issue it works so well because at first you know her blade is supposed to glow is supposed to glow when it's near demon but it doesn't glow and it doesn't glow because she lacks faith and at first it's like well that's really weird but then it makes so much sense it's when she realizes that this is true oh my god there really are demons suddenly she realizes her dad was telling the truth she gets faith and that empowers her more so it it's like you said it's that drawing that connection between faith and science and you know, and and we we even have that in our real world science. There's all kinds of science in the real world here where there's possible connections between positive thinking and neurons in the brain and healing. I mean, we're still at you know that that's a study of our science that's still in its infancy. And I like the fact that Snyder's taken those ideas and he's introducing a horror element to it. And I really really like it. And and the fact that we all we have these huge Earth is constantly being bombarded by horns, by these meteorites, these little meteorites, which contain the horn element, the sort of like the evil con contaminating element. And But Earth has only ever gotten one massive halo impact. And so there's more horn than halo on Earth. And that, that, that might be why, maybe that's why Earth right now is so dark and it's getting darker. We, we need more halo. Why is there so few halo halos, but so much horn? And you know, does, does that account for the, what is the nature of good and evil? Is it science? Is it faith-based? Well, Snyder's answer seems to be that it's a little bit of both. But the only way to really defeat the evil is to have faith. And that's the most essential part. And I just, so this, that, that, that mythology coming into this story is what has got me intrigued. And as a, I got to say, Snyder is always really good at starting off a story like this. He's really good. It's it's being able to continue that momentum that I find sometimes he's a little hit and miss uh, with at least some of his DC work. But but again, uh, I mean he's I, I'm in for the long haul here. I'm 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 more than happy to give him a lot of leg room here because I love this concept and he's right in his element here. <clears throat> and yeah, yeah. The other part about this when we talk about creative freedom, it's not just the freedom to use curse words or have the art be a little more visceral or bloody, but it's also the freedom to have it last as long as they want it to last. Yeah. Have each, each of these digital issues be as many pages as they need it to be to tell that month's story, you know? So that's, I mean, I'm sure there are some restrictions. It can't, you know, create a thousand pages a month. First of all, Greg's hands would fall off. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there's a lot more freedom to, to have the space because I feel like, I, I agree with you. Like Scott doesn't always have the, the best execution on his DC work, but I have always felt like from the very first metal series through his justice league run to death metal, the, the biggest part of why it's sometimes a little choppy or the pacing isn't great for me is because I can see where Scott's got these huge ideas to tell this epic story in scope, but he just doesn't have the real estate just doesn't have the pages or the space to be able to flesh out all these incredible ideas that he has. And I think that's the biggest thing that impacts the quality of, of his work. I don't, I don't think it's actually that his ideas aren't good at all. I think it, it, it goes the other way. His ideas are so good and so big that they need room to live and breathe. 
And certainly when you're talking about a big connected universe that's been around for 80 years, like DC, it doesn't, those two things don't always mesh. Yeah. And there's that's editorial to, interference too. With, yeah, exactly. And, and not that Scott doesn't have editor, you know, working with him on this, um, you know, on Noctera and on his, his undiscovered country. He's been working with uh, with Will Dennis. Will Dennis is the the editor on this as as well, uh, and he's worked with Will for a long time, and they have a good working relationship. So, Will is getting to fulfill that that true best role of an editor, which is to make the book better, not to make it shorter, not to be hey, it's got to fit in X amount of pages, but to make the story better. So, not to say that every idea that Scott comes up with, every script that he writes, every word needs to be in the in the book because maybe there are some things that are extraneous or that would flow better if you if you cut some things out uh but at least you'll have the freedom to to put in more of the story and allow it room to breathe so and i and i agree with you rocky the whole idea of uh this relating to our world in terms of you know is it science is it faith i think of that little girl meme or the, the little dark-haired girl she shrugs her shoulders why not both why can't it be both right why can't yeah. we have both? And that's what I feel like Scott is is doing here, and um, and it's fantastic. And and don't get me wrong, this is and, and we, we cannot sell Greg short, Greg Capullo short either, because yes, there's absolutely fantastic art and line work and emotion in the faces, like I mentioned before. But Greg's also a, a story; he's a storyteller in in and of himself. And I guarantee Scott would be the first one to say that Greg's got a lot of input into the story, obviously into character design, into where the story's going and, you know, ideas and all that sort of stuff. Um, and so that has me excited too, especially when it comes to uh, Lamb's father's partner, Gus, who uh, is mentioned throughout the story several times. And then when he finally shows up, he's sort of larger than life on the page. And if you look at him closely, he almost looks, he, he obviously is something more than human, but he looks more human than the other demons that Lamb was confronted with. But if you look at the top, uh, Rocky's got it up. If you're watching this on YouTube. He's got the, the full page splash there. And this, first of all, this guy's huge. He dwarfs Lamb. Uh, <laughs> but on, he has almost like a normal, mostly normal human face. But then on top of it, it's almost like he's got a demon head. Like, is he half human, half demon? Is he, you know, we don't know what he is just yet other than super interesting and super intriguing looking. Um, but maybe the best thing about it is, you know, it's the most innocuous name. It's just Gus. Right. (laughs) Uh, and then when you finally see him, cause I was thinking like, what is he? Is he a dog? Is he some kind of little sidekick kind of guy? And then when you finally see him, no, he's this giant paramilitary looking half, human half demon i i, I don't know I'm, I'm really excited yeah. well to learn. snyder snyder referenced uh, the, in the early story about atlanteans and then the ancient nephilim and the the homo maledictus race so uh, snyder has taken some some from our own real world mythology about past races of giant men etc cetera, etc cetera. so i'm 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 like you i'm i'm wondering who this gus is i mean i'm sure gus is short for some something just like his daughter lamb was short for something so he, he's like i said it is interesting he does look like a crossbreed between a uh probably a, a nephilim or a giant and, and some sort of demon so it, it is, it's intriguing. So definitely it's one of those things where uh, it's the thing, you know, the art here is just 
Absolutely fantastic. I mean, uh, uh, Greg Capullo here. I mean, this this is just a fantastic image because he looks he looks like a paramilitary something. I gotta tell you, but it's it's quite the thing, and that's a heck of a sword he's wielding there too. <laughs> yeah, and I kind of wondered at first. Maybe that's just like you know, like he would wear a coonskin cap. Maybe that's just he made a, a a cap out of the a demon that he killed. But the eyes glow, so it's making me thinking it's it's actually part of him. And you mentioned the sword. Flip flip to the next page, Rocky. Uh, I love when he puts that first panel there, when he puts the sword point down on the ground, that sword is nearly as tall as Lamb is. <laughs> like, it's really close. Yeah. So I look forward to uh, future issues of, of Greg's art where Gus is just wielding that sword and just, you know, slashing through demons and demon in, entrails and blood are flying everywhere. I, I, I anticipate that we'll get some of that uh, in the near future. So, yeah, I, I again. This was my book of the week. It, it was better than anything I read. It was it, Nice House on the Lake was close, and that also, you know, I, and I talked about this on on our new comic uh, Wednesday episode. Um, that also is a story that's not beholden to any you know previous continuity. Yes, it's a DC comic, but it's it's obviously not set in the regular DC universe. It's a, it's a regular story, but by design, it's a very small and intimate story about a very small group of people that are trapped in a very small area, which kind of adds to the claustrophobia and, and the fear and the fact that it's a, a horror story that James Tynan is telling. The The potential that is here uh, that we get introduced that you feel in the story and the mythology that Scott and Greg are giving us, that's what, what for me, gives it an edge. And again, not to slight anything that Tynan's doing, Nice House on the Lake is, is fantastic, um, and it's not supposed to have that big open feel, but I don't know. This just felt like we have demons just felt like something new and something different. And when you talk about a fall of the man story, you know, immediately your head goes to some sort of post-apocalyptic wasteland type story after a nuclear war or, or whatever, where how many of those stories have we seen and read over the years? like hundreds at this yeah. point, right? And in, in movies and cartoons and comics and novels, just, just in video games everywhere. Um, so to be able to take that concept, the fall of man story, flip it on its head and give us this with this incredible merging of science and faith, it, it just, it blew me away. I was, I was just super impressed. And I, I just love everything about this. I love the distribution model. I, I love the art. I love the color work, uh, the lettering, the pacing, uh, the, the mythology. Even the first few pages where, and I typically don't like this, where all the words are on the left side and it's really kind of expositional info dumps and we're getting, uh, you know, the art along the right side. Um, Immortal Hulk did it recently with an issue. And it, whenever I get it in an ongoing series, it just feels like like Spawn will do it uh, once every once in a while. And it feels like, oh, they've fallen behind where they need to be in the story. So you get an issue like this so they can give a lot of information in a short amount of pages to get us caught up. Th that wasn't this. This was just the best way to present this information and, and reading those paragraphs and seeing what Scott and Greg chose to illustrate as the visuals for whatever information was in those few sentences was fantastic. And there were a few moments where I was just blown. I was blown away that the, the page that's up right now with those thousand swords uh, I was like, when we got to that moment, I was like, oh, hell yeah, we're going to learn about a thousand blades. Uh, <laughs> so that was that was a moment. Uh, there was another one later on where 
uh, Lamb's stepmother is is talking about her her dad, uh, telling her, and when her stepmom, uh, what does she call him? Uh, he was the Liam Neeson of the group. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, that was fantastic um, because it's a again, it's a great illustration. Her dad looks really badass, but I love the costumes with the these these blue co- hooded costumes that the the nine blades that are left their bears are wearing with with hoods and yeah so so that was fantastic so there were just a lot of little moments like that like as great as it is overall there were then even better moments for me like real peaks where i was like man when i saw their their costumes with the halo on the front and thinking about a thousand blades all i could think was man i hope they make a t-shirt i hope they make a t-shirt with the halo symbol on the front and on the yeah. back, it just says like a thousand blades or something like that. Like I would, I would definitely rock one of those at a at a comic convention for sure. So, yeah, I just thought it was fantastic. Yeah, and, and yeah, uh, yeah. Go ahead, Rocky. Final thoughts. I, I was just yeah, I was just going to say uh, I also it, I think it's worth bringing up that you know the lead character Lamb here she was she was bitten and bitten by a copperhead snake at the beginning, and that symbolism of the snake in the in the Garden of Eden. The Garden mm-hmm. of Eden is one of those sacred oases that would have been, uh, which would have represented uh, where a piece of halo would have landed in the Garden of Eden. And within the Garden of Eden is the poisonous snake. And it's very symbolic that Lamb, the lead character, ends up getting bitten by a copperhead snake, ends up her own father, Pastor Cash, cuts off her arm and throughout the story is building her a new arm. So, I mean, it's kind of an inside joke there. At least I could joke that she's... Even when her father's not around, he's lending her a hand. He's always trying to improve her hand. And, and then, of course, the issue ends with her having a, a newly improved sort of hand with a, a, new, a, new, a new sword attached to this hand, which she lost to, to evil, lost to this horn, this eye represented by the snake. So, again, all, all the characters in some way, in some capacity, represent the theme, that, that, that dichotomy between the halo and the horn that Snyder has crafted so well. And, and again... Uh, Hats off to Greg Capullo for just fantastic art, putting giving that giving that life. Yeah, I agree. Uh, last thing I'll mention: Have you ever seen the the Matthew McConaughey movie? Bill Paxton is in as well, called Frailty. I don't think I have. No. So I, I was reminded a little bit of that. So in the movie, uh, Matthew McConaughey's father is Bill Paxton, and he he's he believes that God sent him this message and he's the only one who can see demons that are out there in the world. So obviously it reminded me of this. And then Matthew McConaughey is, is basically recounting the story to an FBI agent and talking about his brother and how their dad, you're never quite sure what's real and what's not is what Matthew McConaughey is saying. True. Are there, a, are there actual demons or was his dad just crazy? And so it reminded me of, of this. Uh, and if you, if you haven't seen it, I definitely recommend it. If you watch it, you'll know why it reminds me of this. And I'm curious next time I talk to Scott, I'm gonna I, I'm gonna be curious to to know if that had any influence at, at all. I mean, it's com- it's completely different than this, but there are just a couple of seeds there that that make me wonder. And it's a fantastic, fantastic movie if you haven't seen it. So oh, I'll have uh, to check it out. Sounds good. Yeah, yeah. It's called Frailty. It's it's definitely worth a worth a watch, especially we're in the month of uh, of Halloween. So right on. Uh, well, uh, everybody, if you are listening to us. Uh, on the podcast, be sure you go and check out the show notes. I'll have some links in there of where you can go to find the book. Like I said, there's three different ways to get it. If you have Amazon Prime, if you have Comixology Unlimited, or you can do like Rocky did and just go to uh, Comixology or Amazon and buy it. Uh, if you're watching us on the YouTube channel, 
check the uh, the comment section. I'll have it there for you to check out as well. So uh, looking forward to the, the next release of Scott Tober. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, Scott Snyder's the writer. Francis Manipal is the artist, and it's called Clear. And it's basically a futuristic world where you can sort of skin the world to look like what you want it to look like. Uh, you can put a filter on it. So if you want to walk through the world thinking that you're living in um, Lord of the Rings land, you can do that. If you want everything to look like you're living in the Old West, you can skin the world to look like that. Uh, if you want it to look futuristic like Blade Runner, you can skin the world like that. And uh, it's, a, it's a murder mystery set in that world. And the reason it's called Clear is because the main character, sort of the, the police detective of the story, chooses not to put any skin on his world. So he sees the world. He's one of the few, probably, who doesn't. And so he sees the world as it actually is, the good, the bad, and the ugly. So uh, I'm a big fan of Francis Manipal's art. Obviously, I'm a, a fan of Scott Snyder, so I'm, I'm looking forward to that. So be sure you check out We Have Demons on Comixology in whichever way you hope to uh, to check it out. And we'll probably be back next week to talk about Clear. So uh, so thanks for joining us, everybody. Rocky, you want to let everybody know where they can find you uh, online? Uh, yeah, you can check me out. I have a YouTube channel called Comic Boom. That's Comic Boom with an exclamation mark. And I usually just, uh, well, Jason, I usually do, uh, we usually, you and I obviously do DC comic reviews on a weekly basis. And occasionally I try to add some additional videos, but yeah, you can check me out there. All right, great. So uh, that's going to do it for this episode, everybody. Really, really highly recommend We Have Demons. Go and check it out uh, and check out Rocky's YouTube channel as well. Like he said, DC Spotlight, he's got a lot of other past content, great reviews on there. Uh, so go and check that out. Uh, all right, everybody, that's going to do it for this episode. We really appreciate you joining us as always, and we will talk to you next time. Thank you.